1: Hey, folks, thanks for joining us. We welcome you once again to Faith in Your Recovery. I'm Randy Davis. We look forward to sharing with you today. Hope that you will get something from this and uh, go out of here wiser about recovery than you entered, okay, and when you do, it'd be great for us if you just like, subscribe, and share. That'd be the best present you could give us this Christmas season. We look forward to this. Once again, thanks for tuning in. Our guest today is Ken Purdy. Welcome, Ken.
0: Hi, Randy. It's good to be here today.
1: Good to have you. Tell the folks where you're from. Give them a quick rundown, and then we'll go back into your story here.
0: I'm uh, from Wabash, Indiana. I've lived there pretty much my entire life, except for uh, my college years and my first few years of employment. Um, uh, I'm a member of the First United Methodist Church there, uh, and that's where we have our Brianna's Hope meetings. And uh, that's where I... uh, uh, found god was at a brianna's hope meeting and he'd always been in my life but uh i ran into an old AA buddy there at uh, a brianna's hope meeting and uh, he helped turn my life around
1: we want to hear about that story here in just a little while you talk about brianna's hope a better life brianna's hope our Faith in Your Recovery podcast falls under that umbrella. I just want folks to recognize that. I'm sure you're aware of it. But uh, Brianna's Hope, we call ourselves participant driven, faith based, compassion filled, support recovery movement for those battling the battle with substance use disorder or addiction. And we're about all things recovery here on our podcast. So it sounds to me like you've got a story to tell. Let's go back in those early years where you first started, first started fighting the battle with addiction, or where you took that slide down into that darkness. Tell us about that, please.
0: Well, um, my addiction really started and has been pretty much my entire adult life. Um, I never really started drinking till I got to college. I would never uh, experimented with marijuana or anything before I got there. Um, so I pretty much spent my entire life uh, abusing alcohol.
1: Tell us, where did you go to college? I know that has nothing to do with your addiction. I'm not trying to say that, but just out of curiosity.
0: Um, Randy, I'd like to back up a little sure. bit if we could here. Absolutely. Um, for me, uh, it usually helps if I start at the bottom and, and work my way to the Good top, deal. so to speak. Do that uh, for us. So let me, let me get my bottom out of the way, and that will kind of tell folks where I was at. Awesome. Um, um, my bottom was uh, September 16th. Uh, 2016 um, and the day started out just like any or other normal day um, I got up and I puked my guts out I um, I no longer looked in the mirror the first thing in the morning and swore to myself that uh, I wasn't going to drink that day I um, the first thing I did after I got done throwing up was uh, head out to the garage and find one of the bottles I had stuffed away um, I would go out and chug that down until I could keep, keep one down. And then, um, I was good to go for the day. I, um, was retired by then. And so, uh, it was a little tougher to get alcohol. I was out on bond from my, uh, fourth DUI and my fifth arrest And so uh, my wife had me on a pretty tight leash as far as where my money was being spent. And so I had a hard time getting alcohol, and of course I didn't have a driver's license. So that morning when she wanted to go to Walmart, I I was up for the trip because I knew I could get into a store. And the first thing I did when we hit the parking lot was I uh, ran into the store headed right for the liquor aisle, and I stuffed one of them traveler-sized bottles uh, down my pants and headed right for the bathroom. And um, I had that down me before she even got in the door. Um, after that, she had another errand to run. And while she went in to do this, this was uh, getting some alterations done for my mother. And uh, it seemed like she was taking a long time. And I was sitting in the Jeep that we had. Um, the, the effects of the alcohol were starting to hit me pretty good. And, um, pretty much the last thing I remember is my wife coming out and me being in the driver's seat of the vehicle. Um, I know she told me you're not driving and I agreed and I, uh, started to get out of the vehicle. Well, the next thing I knew I was surrounded by the police and, uh, I didn't know really what was going on. Um, they took me to the hospital where um, I guess I was, I was told that I had tested 4-7. Uh, that's what they told me. I don't know. Could have been. Anyway, um, so they took me to jail and uh, booked me in. And while there, um, all I could scream was I wasn't driving because I was out on bond from that other DUI, and I knew I was going to get in trouble again. Uh, that was my only concern until the, when they were booking me in, they told me that uh, I had ran over my wife. And um, that I just couldn't comprehend how that could have happened. But that was one of the t- charges that they were filing against me was um, uh, serious injury with causing bodily harm well they put me in the drunk tank and um, it wasn't the first time i had been there of course but that was the first time they ever gave you a blanket in the drunk tank they must have seen how bad off I was or something and uh, so looking at these charges at me and hearing about my wife being ran over I um
1: can I, can you tell us what her injuries were?
0: Uh, she ended up with a, a couple broken ribs and a punctured lung.
1: Okay, okay. Uh,
0: She was taken to Fort Wayne uh, Parkview Hospital. Um, it wasn't really life threatening, but you know, at still the time, a
1: serious injury.
0: Uh, very, very serious. And so um, I, I took that blanket that they'd given me in jail, and I tried to hang myself uh, in the drink tank. Well, um, they weren't. It wasn't very long, and the officers came in and and got me down and uh, put me in one of those turtle suits in the rubber room. And so um, I lay there and. Uh, They didn't know that I had a partial uh, denture in my bottom teeth that had some metal in it. So I took out my partial uh, denture and uh, proceeded to hack on my wrist. Um, I'd given up and uh, I'd had enough and uh, they must have seen me on camera because they came in and found me in a puddle of blood and uh, took me to the hospital to get me stitched up. I might add uh, both times at the hospital, uh, Pastor John and Pastor Kurt, uh, Pastor John... uh, cook and pastor kurt freeman from the wabash church know them both uh were, were at the hospital because i had started going uh, attending church after that fourth dui but they they were there both times at the hospital and um anyway they took me uh, back to the jail and after they'd stitched up my wrist and they put me um in, in the suicide chair in the uh recreation room and that's where i sat until i uh, sobered up enough to uh, realize what was going on and by then it was uh, september 17th 2016 and it was um My mother's 96th birthday, she was uh, in the nursing home uh, dying of cancer. That was my bottom.
1: And your wife's in the hospital during all of this, correct? With her injuries from your driving over
0: her. That is correct. And I had no idea knowing how, how she was doing or anything.
1: Were you sober enough to even care during those moments, Ken? I know as you look back, you wanted
0: to care. I get that. Uh, my only concern was being in trouble for driving drunk again. It was about you at that it point. It was all about me. It always was. Addiction always is. It always uh, is.
1: If it was about others, we'd never <laughs> get that deeply into it. I don't care if it was alcohol or uh Drugs of another type. I'm always very careful. There are those who like to separate drugs and
0: alcohol. Not me. Uh, you know, I I I've done some drugs. I experimented, but uh, they were never for me. Um, I could take them or leaving leave them. It was just always the alcohol for me. Your party
1: I, came with the alcohol. Yes,
0: yes. Yeah. All my troubles stem from the alcohol, pretty much, except except for one time. But I, we'll get to that here in a minute. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, as faring as far as being all about me. Uh, that goes back to my childhood. Um, I'm a little different uh, than a lot of folks. Uh, I didn't come from a broken family. Uh, my dad uh, had a good job. My mom stayed at home. Uh, she didn't work outside the home till I was in high school. Uh, what made me different, though, was I was an only child and an only grandchild. And we lived in a neighborhood that didn't have very many other children around. So I grew up around adults all the time. And um, a lot of people would probably say I was spoiled and probably was. I would never wanted for anything. We never did without. We weren't rich, but we were just comfortable and life was good. And um, being around adults all the time... Um, my dad was strict, and he was more than strict. He was tough. Uh, his father had passed away when he was 12, and um, that was the only way he knew how to raise me. And uh, You're telling my story right now. My dad was very similar,
1: and he was tough. Yes,
0: Yeah, my dad and I can't hardly remember ever being spanked more than once or twice, but it was just uh, his anger and shame that he would throw on me when I would misbehave um, caused me to— not misbehave and, and to be good because that was the mantra in, in our house. Be good. Be good. Uh, every time I'd leave the house, it was be good. You Go knew to, the penalty if you weren't. Yes, I knew the penalty, and I and I also loved the praise when I was good. And um, being around adults all the time, I learned to be quiet, not ask questions, Children are seen and not heard, and I I sat and absorbed a lot. Um, one of the former leaders of our group at uh, in Wabash said I was quietly insightful, and I I kind of liked that term, and I kind of preferred that term. But okay. uh, here I am today. Yes. Any anyway, uh, growing up, uh, it, it was always be good and. Um, and really, uh, I was. I I was blessed. I was pretty much good at anything I did. Uh, uh, we would go to Sundays when I was a kid. Um, I, church... And God was never brought up in our house. But as a kid, I went to Sunday school. My mother was a member of the First United Methodist Church there in Wabash. I would go to Sunday school. She attended eh, once a month or so. But uh, that's the way I was brought up. And it, a God religion was never discussed at home. And um, I just thought... If I was good and I believed in God, which I did, that he would take care of me. And I pretty much lived my entire life believing that. I never developed a relationship with God. I didn't know how, why, or what it meant to have one. And um, it took me till about uh, four years ago for that to happen. It's never too late. It is never too late. Uh, I just have a lot of catching up to do on this. But anyway, um, back to the being good here. Uh, So I was good. And uh, like in school, my dad expected A's. A's were expected, especially when you were young in citizenship behavior. When you got them, those had to be A's. Uh, B's tolerated if there weren't too many of them uh c a c was unheard of and in fact i the only c i ever got was a c in health in um, high school i uh, like to joke to our group that that's why my wife and i have no children because i got a c in health in high school but uh, <laughs> anyway um So um, high school was a breeze, and uh, so were the athletics. And I was blessed enough that uh, I was able to uh, go to a a pretty big-time school at the time for baseball in Georgia. And... uh, that was, you know, going to be a thousand miles away from home. And, uh, but I assumed my parents thought I had been right. I'd always been good. And so, um, it was off to Georgia. I went for college. And, um, it was totally new experience for sure. I was there, didn't know too many people except my teammates, and they were from all over the country. So, we became a real tight knit group, and um, part of that was going out and having a good time. Well, the drinking age in eight, Georgia was eighteen. Well, I had experimented with a beer or two and some Boone's Farm in high school, but that was pretty much the extent of my drinking. So when I got to college and the drinking age was 18, I I really didn't know how to handle it. And uh, when we played drinking games and down a six pack and be drunk and stupid it was fun you could be as
1: athletic as anybody at that as well yeah
0: yep. i could be as good at that as anything And, and that was fun but along came that with the other thing and that and that was my classes uh being an athlete Uh, we, and on the quarter system there, we only had three classes a day. And I found out early on that in being an athlete, we could pick our professors in the time of our class. Well, we got some guidance on which professors to get and which classes to take. And I found out pretty early that school was even easier than high school for me. And I made the worst decision of my life. I was tired of being good. And I said to myself early on, B's and C's are going to be just good enough for me. My folks won't know the difference. They had never attended college. And if I start off like this, they'll never know the difference. So I settled for being mediocre for once in my life. Uh, The baseball and that, that that went along fine. Um, Things were going good. I was getting, you know, my B's and C's until I started getting injured. And I just couldn't shake being injured. And uh, my one and only prayer I had as a child was to be a professional baseball player but by the end of my uh, junior year, I, I know that uh, I knew that that prayer was not going to be answered. And so I w- did an internship so I could uh, graduate a quarter early or fill my credits up a quarter early, which I did. And um, by then I had a girlfriend in college and she had moved into my apartment and um, it was Pretty much party central because my last couple quarters they, they were a breeze. It was just some fill in classes get and get through. Yeah, just some get through. And it, it was party central there at the house. And, and before long, I'd finished up my credits and um, I decided to hang around with her in, in Valdosta. That's where the college was, Valdosta, Georgia. And um, she became pregnant. Well, neither one of us was ready, ready to be parents. Uh, but God was the last thing on our mind. We didn't consult God, and she went back down to her uh, her hometown of Miami, Florida, and had an abortion. Um, when we got. Uh, back together when she came back. Things weren't the same. And uh, we split up about the same time as the graduation ceremonies came around. And uh, so with nothing better to do, I moved back to Wabash. And um, to my parents' basement, you know, the old okay. parents' basement thing. Well, with my dad being strict in my lifestyle these days, I, I knew that wasn't going to last for Well, wasn't, that wasn't what going were to, you, 22
1: years old, give or take
0: a little? I, I was 22 years old okay. with, with a piece of paper with no clue what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. Uh, but uh, God blessed me. With the occupation that was to be my life's work, uh, but also my downfall, Uh, I found an ad in the Fort Wayne newspaper for a manager of a bowling center up there at the Eagles Eagles Lodge. I knew just enough about the bowling business. I'd like I'd worked there at a bowling center when I was a kid since I was fourteen. I um I knew enough to be dangerous. I filled in on summer break and stuff like that. And I had that piece of paper and a college degree, so I pretty much talked my way into my first job. Um And that job, all it entailed was uh, keeping the pin setters going, making sure they go up and down, and keeping the customers happy. Well, I, I made a friend in Fort Wayne who was one of the top mechanics, and he taught me pretty much everything I didn't know about the pin setters. And the other end was keeping the customers happy. Well... I knew how to throw a party, so keeping the customers happy. That what,
1: wasn't difficult either.
0: That, that that was easy. You could have trained people, yes? Yes, I could have. Uh, but th- there's little catch to that, because uh, the folks that would come down there to have their good time, uh, they would come maybe once, twice a week, and then they'd go home and have the rest of their lives the other days of the week. Me, I threw a party seven days a week. Um I was still young, I was still in shape, I was still playing a lot of fast pitch softball and I could handle it. It it wasn't causing a major problem yet, yet. It it um it was during this time, though, uh, after my first year, I threw an employee's party, or I was going to, for my employees. Well, a few weeks before that, um, somebody had called and wanted to bring some handicapped kids into bowl at my bowling center. And I said, and this was in the afternoon. and I said, sure, why not? Well, th- the first day they walked in, they were going to be there for a few weeks. The first day they came in, um, uh, a young gal about my age brought brought 'em in, and I, I thought she was pretty cute, and uh, and so I uh, worked up the nerve to ask her to this employees' party. Well. <sighs> I want to say right now in February on the 29th of this coming year, we'll be married 44 years, and she has put up with me through everything. <laughs> uh, so anyway, yeah, she would talk to me a little bit about the drinking, but um, she was kind of a party girl too, so it, it was okay. We had a good time. And then uh, it was New Year's Eve in 1983. We were supposed to go to a Wabash to a New Year's Eve party. Uh, Now, she hadn't been doing any drinking at all, and she was coming to pick me up at work. And somehow she ran a red light and was broadsided by a, a big truck. And um, she was uh, unconscious with life-threatening injuries to her head. Uh, She had a broken jaw, uh, unconscious. Uh, She lost her spleen. And uh, I I was devastated. Uh, I went to the hospital that night uh, not knowing whether she would live or die. And uh, for the next three months, I spent uh, my time, since we didn't have a car then, and the other vehicle we had worked sometimes, I'd spend my day walking to and from work, and the hospital happened to be in between. So I would walk back and forth, visit her, work, drink, visit her. It was a three-month circle. And by the time that she got out, I I was drinking pretty heavy then. But uh, she got better. Uh, thank the Lord. Uh, I I I didn't thank Him. I never did. It was just a blessing that was given to me, like all the other blessings I'd ever received. Uh, I was good, so. You I deserved was, it in I your deserved own mind. Even it. if you didn't say, I it. didn't ask. I didn't think. I it just came my you way. You should. I'm good. <laughs> Good's good enough, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, um, anyway, uh, it was shortly after this, uh, a friend of mine had a chance, uh, we had a chance to buy the, the bowling alley that I worked at when I was a kid back in Wabash. And, um, I was blessed again that, uh, we were able to do this and, uh. So I moved back to my hometown and um, took my act there, so to speak. All right, took it on the road. Yes, and I was back with my hometown friends, and uh, life was good. Life was real good until it wasn't. Then came my first arrest. Uh, Like I said, uh, drugs weren't my thing. But, you know, we dabbled in marijuana, and it just so happens our bowling alley had been broken into, and they had caught the kids that had broken into it. And the kids had spoken of some marijuana they found in our bowling alley. Well, being friends with the cops in town, that's, we they were friends of ours, a lot of them, were. they called and said, hey, if you got anything in there, get it out. We gotta come search. Well, for some reason, I had forgotten that I had a vial of cocaine in my coat pocket. And when they came to search, uh, they found it. And uh, it was off to jail I went for my first arrest ever in my entire life. For possession? For possession of cocaine. Okay. Uh, Needless to say, my parents were devastated. Uh. I knew I probably had a problem with drinking. It wasn't the drugs, it was the drinking. And uh, this, on the advice of my attorney and my parents and everyone, I entered the Washington House Treatment Center in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And that was my first experience with AA and what an eye-opener that was. The people that came in to speak, I read the big book, and I was amazed. Them people were me. I couldn't believe it. There was somebody else out there just like me. And I thought to myself, here I am, 30 years old, I have found the answer. Let me put this tool in my toolbox. I can use that one day because I'm 30 years old and I can't imagine going the rest of my life without another beer or a drink. And so I uh, came back to Wabash and um, was accepted and um, I attended AA, and things were good. But uh, my sentencing, business-wise, things were good. The drinking, not so good. Uh, My sentence, I was sentenced to five weekends in jail and uh, three years probation. Uh, the first weekend of jail, I showed up drunk. Uh, the second weekend, they didn't know it, or somebody must have told them, because the second weekend, when I showed up drunk, they gave me a breathalyzer and uh, held those charges over my head on me to make sure I uh, didn't do that again. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, I did. I uh, did those weekends into my three years probation. Um, Back then, the, the only test was they would show up once in a while with a breathalyzer, and, or you had to pr- report. Right. And, and you make sure you weren't drinking at the time. You were good. So um, I got back into drinking more heavily, and then came DUI number one followed by a a few years of off and on sobriety and picking up some tools along the way at um, different counseling places and more AA meetings. Um, I'd slow down, maybe even quit for a while, but I'd pick it back up, and usually the way it goes, you pick up right where you left off and go from there. And so, by the time DUI number four came along, I, I'd pretty much had it. I knew there had to be an answer someplace. I had a whole toolbox full of tools. I just didn't what know what do I do with them. Yeah, I didn't know or what do to I do even with them. Want to use them? So um, my wife wanted to come start going to church, and I, I was a hundred percent into that. I said, hey, Dick. We'll find another tool there. Maybe this is the answer. And I said, well, if we're going to church, I want to go back to where I grew up, the Wabash First United Methodist Church. Uh, being a businessman in town, I I knew a lot of people there.
1: There was an identity,
0: absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let, let me backtrack a little bit. Um, in between... Uh, While I uh, had the Bowling Center there in this DUI, right after that happened, my partner and I split up. Uh, He'd had all the drinking for me that he could take, and uh, my option was fixed. Fix up what the, the building had, uh, and buy him out, or close the building and buy out the other center in town, which I did. Uh, and that came with a full bar, with a, a whole host, ah. whole host of other things and op- thing. <laughs> opportunities. Um, by my fourth DUI, I, I was pretty much buying uh, vodka three cases at a time because you would get one free and I'd be lucky to sell two or three bottles out of that case. The rest uh, I was drinking myself. Uh, So, uh, but amazingly I could still do my job. That, you know, I I was a functioning, I thought alcoholic. Uh, looking back, I didn't function so well, but business was still good in spite of myself. Uh, yeah. Let let's yeah. say that. Let's
1: let's move on forward here with the time we've got left. Sure. We've heard that we've heard your stories. Certainly, you mentioned the low in 2016 there, September 12th. Is that what it was? Fourteenth uh,
0: September sixteenth. September
1: sixteenth. Yeah, two thousand sixteen. about that. Tell us how you've come out of this. I want to leave the folks with the with that hope and promise that recovery that, does happen.
0: Exactly. Because so now you to hit on that. Exactly. Because now we're getting to the best part of it. Because coming back to church. Um, I went for the um, uh, uh, a few months before I hit my bottom, uh, but I really was just sitting there listening. But a- after my bottom and going back to church, I became a lot more involved, and that's when uh, Brianna's Hope started, and uh, I, there were times I would go to Brianna's Hope, and I was just sober. I was still missing something in my life, but I was sober and getting a lot out of Brianna's Hope and uh, my involvement in the church. I involved myself in uh, a lot of the church activities and everything. And um, the turning point came when an old AA friend started coming to Brianna's Hope. And um, he introduced me to... uh, he asked me one day, why are you so miserable? And I said, I don't know. I'm sober. I'm coming to church. I believe in God. I think I'm doing all the right things. And he goes, well, what's your relationship with God like? And I, I really didn't know what he meant. And, uh, I said, I try to pray, but I'm not very good at it. In fact, the only prayer I ever asked for, I I never got. So I just try to be good and try to stay sober. And he seems to be helping me, but I'm still miserable. He said, just talk to God. He'll listen to you. And um, believe me, he will answer you. And. And so I did. I took that to heart. And um, being an only child, I was kind of used to talking to myself. And so I just started directing them conversations to him. I My self-esteem had, was shot uh, all the years of drinking. I'd been up to about 250 pounds, and I was still at 225, and uh, I just didn't like myself very much. And one of the first prayers I did ask God, I said, please, uh, let me lose some weight so I can at least look good and feel better about myself. And And, and lo and behold... <laughs> I just started losing weight. I, this happened during COVID. I was I was fat when COVID started. I never got COVID. But when COVID ended, you know, I came back to church and I was 165 pounds. So I'd went from 225. I'd lost, yeah, 60, 65 pounds in that time and um it, it, you know that's just one of the ways that god has started working in my life and uh i found that every day just just having a conversation to, with god i have an ongoing conversation with him all the time um well, big go, go ahead go,
1: give give our folks your advice to them should they be at the same place in life where you were? They're still being beaten down by that drink or that drug or
0: something else in their life. Give them some hope. Uh, the hope out there is get those tools. There's a lot of a lot of places around to get the tools, but find find a relationship with God in your life because He's the one that has the instructions. You can have a whole toolbox full of tools, but unless you have God in your heart and in your mind and a relationship. Uh, He's the one with the key to that toolbox and all those instructions to the tools.
1: Define for you, you continue to use the word relationship. Define relationship in your words. I'm not asking for Webster's definition or the Wikipedia. I want Ken Purdy's definition of relationship with God. What does that mean to you? The best friend and brother I never had. So you've come into the closeness he wants you to have. He's filled the void of what you had never experienced before. And I'm going to guess you're continuing to learn more about him every day.
0: Every single day, uh, I've, like I said, uh, in A Better Life, Brianna's Hope. I, I'm not where I want to be, but I'm, I'm glad that I'm not where I was. Amen. That's one of our opening comments on our canned
1: intro that we used by Mr. Von Walker. And uh, there's a lot of truth in it. We're all at that place. I am convinced my goal is to help people become the best them they can become. And I haven't gotten there yet. It doesn't mean I have. But the next day, the next move gives me an opportunity to, to be a better me, to be more than me God created me to be. And that's my goal.
0: Yes, I I just want to be a better person every day, and uh, I I really am enjoying trying to help people. It is such a struggle out there. Uh, For all of us, uh, whether alcohol has been a part of your life or not, something has.
1: We've all got a a closet monster of some type we're dealing with, and uh, yeah, we need each other's support.
0: Yeah, I, I find the folks in addiction, uh, they, they have so many other problems going on um, with uh, exactly. finding employment uh Making their housing, p- housing, uh, paying their court fees and their fees for their treatment. Uh, Getting so, the license back that right. you've referred to in different
1: ways.
0: Yeah, and, and sometimes the stress of all that causes them to want to, you know, burst someplace. And unfortunately, the weak spot is, is their addiction. Why not turn back to it? This didn't get me anywhere. Yeah.
1: Listen, Ken, is there anything you want to wrap up with here, comment you want to make, statement you want to share, or challenge you want to give?
0: Uh, We're getting close to the end. I want to give you that chance. I, I just want to urge everybody that uh, if you're in a treatment program and, and not feeling like you're getting much or anything out of it, uh, take a look at your relationship with God. If you don't have one, try to develop one because uh, I truly believe the only way to true sobriety is through Jesus Christ. I'm right there with you, buddy.
1: I feel that 100%. Folks, uh, we're not telling you what to do. We're telling you what's worked for us in each one of our lives. And we challenge you. We challenge you to that commitment with Christ. Be open. We always say we want to be raw. We want to be real. Jesus wants us to be. He knows anyway. We can't hide it from him. So... We wish you folks the best. We pray for you. Continue to pray for us here at Faith in Your Recovery. Uh, Ken, pray for him. Pray for me. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for joining us. We wish you the merriest of Christmases. God bless. Stay in the battle. Amen.